Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Hail, you creepers and peepers. Hail, you stinky peats and smelly shellies. Are they all cats? No, I just, the the first one sounded like sirens, so I wanted to go kind of animal, you know? I guess they should be rabbits. Bring it back to organic. What like, what sound do rabbits make? I don't know, like... I don't know, I can't... Some squeaky weird stuff. Well, I can't really translate it, but it's that really cute sound of their noses moving back and forth really fast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a great introduction. Today we're talking about the movie... Us. us. It's... Us. It's us? It's us. What did you think? Okay, so we've like <laughs> successfully spent about an hour not talking about it. Okay, which so, is really hard, by the way. So, D. Sweden, did you like this movie? Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> Where do I begin? Okay, I want to set up the layout a little bit. We are going to... The first half is going to be spoiler-free, so feel free to listen while you have not seen it yet. That's totally cool. Second half, um, probably not even half because I don't think we're going to time it. I'm just, I think we're going to say a certain marker and I will post it in the description. Um, we will, the, the latter half of this will be definitely full of spoilers because we will open up our dialogue about what happens in the movie. But as for the first half, um, just as like my perception of it before and after, before, I was very intrigued. I was thinking of it way more as a Home Invader movie. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a much different movie. That's yeah. why I'm so excited to talk about exactly. it. Exactly. So, so, so what Sam's talking about, too, is that, like, when we leave a place, when we leave a movie theater, especially if we're doing... I mean, most of the podcasts have been about movies, but when we're doing a movie podcast, when we leave the theater or we finish the movie, we uh, we always get on each other's case about talking to each other about the movie because we're like no save it for the podcast save it for the podcast so we haven't said anything about it yet and I have to relate to you that like I'm I think we feel very similarly about it but I'm very surprised by this movie it was uh it was very different than I expected it to be as far as wacky you know how like right okay so if we're gonna talk about movie acts the act of like if we're gonna say act one two and three of this movie Way fucking different than I ever even imagined they could be. It went in such an oddball direction. And again, we're not but spoiling anything at this direction. point. But a beautiful direction. Oh, no, I, I love am. it. I love it. Well, yeah, I, I mean, think we're just I'm kind gonna, of rambling no. right now. I no, think no, no, we, no. we both gonna, absolutely love this movie, This right? might be one of the most raw we've ever come out of a movie. Because remember, like, we literally... This is the 7 o'clock... The movie technically releases tomorrow. And this is the 7 p.m. Uh, showing of it. And we're just leaving the theater, and we haven't been allowed to talk about it yet. So I'm just sitting here kind of, like, spiraling in my own opinion of it. And it's not that it's a problem, it's just that... (sighs) Okay, so it's... (sighs) There's a lot to unpack. There's there's a lot to unpack. Thank you, that is very succinct. Um, All in all, if you're going to ask me just, like, point blank if I liked the movie. I absolutely loved the movie. It was just very, very different from what I was expecting. In probably the best way that it could have been different and still a very, like, great vehicle. Like, a very um, unique and original vehicle to, like, tell a story in. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's... 
one of the most important things to come away with. Like, no matter how you feel about this movie, you're not going to see something like this for a long time. You yeah. probably haven't seen something like this before. Okay, can I say something, though? Are we saying that because it's Jordan Peele and we are, we're coming into this expecting an incredibly unique take because Get Out was so, Get Out was so innovative and it was so different from anything else we'd ever seen. And one thing that I will say about this movie is that I fully agree with you. I, I fucking love this movie, but, um... Are we saying that it's unlike anything we've ever seen because it's Jordan Peele? Because honestly, there are certain themes in it that I can pull from other movies. For sure, which is like definitely like that's just, that's being, that's being influenced by your environment. But there's just certain themes of it. There's like a very strong theme of it of um, As Above, So Below. Which yeah. there have been several movies of in the past like decade. So the like I, I want to I want to touch. I know it's literally like a name of a film. I want to touch on that on some point at some point. But I also didn't want to interrupt you because like I I do agree with you that it's like incredibly unique. But I also wonder how much of that we are just going to start creating as like part of Jordan Peele's legacy as a movie maker. Do you know what I mean? No, I I hear what you're saying. I. I think it's a truly oddball movie. I yeah, think, okay. Uh, All right. I think it's as weird as we think is it, it is, as our listeners will eventually see. I I think it takes a lot of risks. I think almost all of them pay off. There are definitely a few that don't. Really? But I am so pleased with what I saw that I, I, I'm just... I don't even really have words for it right now. It's not necessarily the best movie I've ever seen. It's just the most original movie I've seen in a long yes. time. And, like, I was telling you, I, I recently saw um, the new Gaspar Noe movie, Climax, and that took a lot of risks as well. Oh, yeah, you wanted and to talk about it. Did, it was an oddball movie that did a lot of things. I, I'm traditionally a fan of him. I know he's pretty extreme mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Um, the first 20 to 30 minutes of that movie was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. There's a lot of like abstract filmmaking. There's a lot of weird dancing that <laughs> I don't necessarily understand, but it was aesthetically beautiful and was all choreographed. And then... I, I don't know, maybe the experimental choices that Gaspar Noe made mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily my favorite. And I, I don't want to disparage anybody, obviously. Like, I mean, it, it gave me a visceral impact, and, like, I think that's what he was going for. It just maybe wasn't my cup of tea. But this movie, on the other hand, okay, I was gonna took say. a lot of really, really big risks. Uh -huh. I, I think story-wise, I think... Tone-wise. Tone-wise. Everything. Where they chose to insert humor, what they chose to make scary. Yeah. I mean, just, again, not to get too specific this early in the episode, but yeah. what they chose to make the movie about, ultimately, I think it's just this huge risk that really fucking paid off. Yeah. And I am just so happy with this movie. I'm so happy with where horror movies are going. It, I, I, it, 
It's just such an original movie. I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, I think honestly, okay, so if you're if you're really going to get um I don't know. I don't even want to say frustrated, but if you're going to get real antsy about it, you might want to just like fast forward to later when we can tell you what the hell's going on because god damn this movie it just like i as you were talking about it i was just like thinking more and more about how um how low-key technically the storytelling translates but how how like the magnitude of the story itself yeah and like um kind of the scope that he can create in this like almost limited world i want to say because if you really think about it other than extras, there are six characters in this movie, right? Well, mm-hmm. okay, other than their other than their doppelgangers. So like yeah. let's say there's twelve, because there's yeah. Um, so there's it's not like it's a huge cast. There's a lot but it still manages with the with these two families to um literally bring in the entire world and the the populate population of like the entire planet into consideration and like it become mm-hmm. it literally becomes a global story i i just feel like one of the most incredible thing i i know i feel like i'm jumping around but i i just feel like one of the things that really translates and how this story is told is that it's told by somebody who is technically trained as a comedian and one of the things i really wanted to talk about in this podcast is not i mean jordan peele definitely but like um in general um comedians taking on horror and the way that it translates and like how beautiful it is and like definitely i i forget who oh it was um jerry the um the guy i met earlier today oh yes hope he wants his name out there um (laughs) um no last names no that i sold a painting to earlier today i had the, the most wonderful conversation with him um how dark the movie was probably going to be because comedians wrote it comedians <laughs> yeah. were in it yeah. especially i mean if you've seen the last few seasons of key and peel mm-hmm. they're horror movies <gasps> thank if you, you if you've seen tim heidecker who's <laughs> one of my heroes was heavily involved in this he yes. plays my favorite character in the movie like tim so much of tim and eric is a living nightmare yeah so much of it is a fever dream absolutely true and it's weird i would never have considered it before the things that you the types of comedy that you've exposed me to are the only ones that truly straddle um okay so if we're gonna think of all types of movies or entertainment as like a sphere and there's Mm -hmm. a circle so that means the beginning is gonna touch where the end touches it's just a circle but it's like it's got enough dimension where it's not so flat that the beginning is going to matter where it touches the end. I if if the beginning is comedy, the end is horror, and if the if the beginning is horror, the end is comedy. I which couldn't means, agree with you more. Which yeah. means that like at their back ends they touch, which I feel like somebody who is a comedian understands the full scope of entertainment, which is why a comedian is so good at making horror movies. Because I don't... Tim and Eric make the creepiest shit I have ever seen in my life. And that was just something that I had, like... I thought that that was just something that was, like, oh, this is just one of those weird things that Sam likes. But honestly, now, as, like, a person who has had, like, time and exposure to it enough where I have context for them, I realize that they are just really, really interesting and talented storytellers. So 
to extend that is also to say that somebody who like somebody like Jordan Peele, who is traditionally trained in comedy and like most of what we know him for is like funny stuff. Other than the fact that like get out is like one of the most brilliant and other than this one, most original horror movies I've ever seen in my oh, life. Definitely. Um, it kind of makes sense that someone who has such a background in comedy, because I'm thinking of the same thing. I, I don't know why I always go back to this, but I go, always go back to the skit of him taking a cell, taking a picture of his wife in bed before she wakes up. I think, I don't even know what season it is. It's like pretty early in Key and Peele. And like, um, she takes, he takes a picture of her while she's sleeping and she like holds a gun to his head and he just turns around and he's like horrified. And it really quickly. Goes, delete it, motherfucker. Delete it, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. But it really, really quickly goes, I think that's what was so brilliant. It was like one of the first times they did it where they really smoothly transitioned from like very light, low stakes comedy sketch show to like hey this is the high tension life or death moment and it just happened in a second and they straddled that line so beautifully in the in the movie i feel like definitely i think that's what made the movie so much for me and why Mm -hmm. i was so willing at first to be like oh yeah some of the things didn't work necessarily but so many did yeah because they took so the risks i think i mean that they're taking is so many of so many of the moments could so easily become comedic if they just pushed one iota more. Yes. And sometimes they pushed too far and sometimes it was kind of funny and it's okay. the whole movie's kind of based around a certain mania so it all worked. Yeah. But they got so close to comedy with how dark they took some of the situations, that most horror directors wouldn't even... It's not that they wouldn't be brave enough to go Mm -hmm. there. They wouldn't even think to do that. Only a comedian would think to do that. Well, maybe they wouldn't take the the risk creatively. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, we've kind of expounded on this a lot very... um, Abstractly. Abstractly. (laughs) So, I think probably from here on out, are we going to do the cutoff? We're going to do some spoilers. But okay. before before we do that, Dana, honestly, what's this movie about? <laughs> this movie. Okay, so if we are going to... If I were to write the synopsis... Okay, are you telling me to write the synopsis of this movie or just say, like, what is the moral or theme of this movie? What are you asking? What is the soul of this movie? What is okay. this movie about? I think this movie is about a little girl trying to find her place in the world. I think that's wonderful. I think that's a really, really great interpretation. I think that might be the most compassionate perspective of this movie. Because, like, if you want to ask, if you want to ask, like, not, like, master's degree Dana sitting here with her husband, like, giving you that answer. If you want to ask, like, high school North Highlands Dana... What she thought, mm, that would be, <laughs> that would probably be a different answer. What's the answer? I want to hear that. Girl, because, listen, okay, this bitch, mm, mm, mm. Which okay. bitch? Mm, the main bitch. The main bitch in the, the movie. The mother? Oh, well, she's the mother later on. Earlier on, she's just the motherfucker. 
if you want to fucking let me be real honest. Okay, are we in spoiler well, half yet? warning. I, are we in spoiler half yet? Because <laughs> my North Highlands opinion can't come out until we're in spoilers half yet. Oh, can, we're definitely... In, should we do a countdown? Well, can I give you... Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I love you so much. Okay, listen. Just give give me the rest of your synopsis because I can only give you my honest opinion after I pop the fuck off with all spoilers off limits. Go so, uh, Winston Duke, the dad in the movie. Uh huh. I loved him. Amazing. Yes. He's from Trinidad. Oh, okay. I I believe. I hope I got that. Okay. But he sounds so cool in this movie. He's one of the best parts of this movie. Okay. Like, especially because he's, like, they're just kind of this, like, upper class, kind of dorky boat shoes family, and he just plays it so well, and he leans into it so hard. Okay, but that, honestly, though, like, that's such a great intro to the perspective that I love the most about him in this, is the first time that they see the other people that have been shown in the preview of this movie... When he's outside confronting them, can we please talk about the fact that he, like, very reluctantly does that thing where he, like, clears his throat? And all of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. There's, like, another version of yourself that has another tone of voice that you consider the, like, hard version of yourself, right? Oh, and right? he's threatening yeah. the doppelgangers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he steps outside, and this is, like, round three of him trying to, like, talk to these creepy-ass people that are in his driveway, right? So, it is a Duke sweatshirt. <laughs> Is it a Duke sweater? No, of course what? it's not a Duke sweater. It's a Howard sweater, dude. Oh, Howard sweater. Yeah, so he's in a Howard University sweater, and he's also, like, he's literally wearing boat shoes. Like, Sam's not just saying that. He's literally in his Sperry's, and he's holding, I, I don't know if he's got the bat yet, but like he's... a softball bat. Yeah, but at the first <laughs> Nothing time... Nothing against softball. No, not at all, but it's just funny that, like, no, he grabs the first thing that's in this house, and it's, like, their vacation home in Santa Cruz. And I can tell from the direction that they're driving to get back into town that they were staying in Capitola. So, mm-mm, I know you can't see me because this is audio, but I'm pushing my finger up against my nose to make it hoity-toity. Oh, just as two Northern California natives here, <laughs> it was so fun that this movie took place in, in Santa Cruz. Oh my gosh, Santa Cruz. Okay, can I just say too, there was one of the scenes where they were driving down one of the streets. Other than the boardwalk, that was very recognizable, but at one point they're driving down one of the residential streets in San- in Santa Cruz, and I know that street. I've literally yeah. driven down that street. And I just, oh, I've recognized me... so many spots that they were in. Yeah, that was also another one of those like nostalgic touches. But let's get back to the countdown. We are going... Wait, what do you want to talk about before we go to the spoilers? Well, I'd like to give Winston's um, information. Winston yeah, Duke's you said he was from his um quote on what this movie's actually about. Oh, oh, I'm interview. sorry. That's why you were asking me. And I think in a very, I think we've been talking about this movie in a very intimate way, mm-hmm. in a very just like oh, what we saw obviously, and just kind of regurgitating what we just saw. Yeah. But I think. Obviously, there's a lot of really intelligent people working on this movie. Yes. And there's a lot of things trying to be said. Yes, I fully agree. And then, um, I just, I wanted to cover this before we kind of moved on Mm -hmm. to what he was talking about and what his quote was that the movie is strongly about cultures of power and what they look like and how you participate in them. Oh my God. It's also a commentary on the perils of the American dream. Oh my god. 
I just got goosebumps because I was just watching this as pure entertainment. And then when you start thinking of these movies as like actual statements on society, which I always should do. I don't know why I don't do that. You just see all of... And that's the thing is there were very obvious, like there were huge... There was a literal wall of human beings that I think are... It's a very obvious connection to yeah. that was a one wall thing. being built to keep human beings out. Yeah. You know, like, there's a there's a lot of almost, almost beautifully overstated sentiments in this movie to where in any other context you would kind of wrinkle your nose and say, like, this is too saccharine, this is too much, this is over the top. But they kind of set the bizarre tone initially no, but I think... that gave them the license to just say things how they were. And I think it was just a really cool device they well, used in a lot of places. I think the reason they could say things so, like, say things that were not overstated or heavy-handed, I just, I think that what they would do is, uh, I don't know how to phrase this, but kind of like the statement that they would want to make was kind of hidden in the statement that they actually made. Where the statement that they actually made was like, it was also worthwhile and it was cool or whatever, but it also hid a deeper, more meaningful statement about, I don't know, I just feel like, um, okay, can we go to spoilers now? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, so of we're going to go to spoilers. So I just feel like in the underworld, there was a lot to be said about um, leaving behind what didn't work out exactly exactly like you wanted it to which I think that that was a secondary metaphor to the fact that like this was an exploited this was an entire group of people that was exploited just because they were seen as lesser than mm -hmm. and that was obviously like that was the message you were supposed to get placed from it. in these abandoned systems placed that in have been abandoned left behind. systems that had been left behind because we knew they were archaic and we knew they didn't work definitely like honestly dude as an immigrant watching this shit like there's so much that I can't help but be like okay so to see the colonization in America is one thing. Like, to not colonization in America, because obviously we are the colonizers. We don't colonize here. But to, to see the uh, culture of colonization that still applies to America and American culture that we apply in other countries that we dominate is so fascinating. I know, I know that I'm taking this completely macro and completely government, and I always do this. Well, I think the movie's macro and government. It and is, because it's... I, this, everything. This it's all This concept of just, like, literally just taking up anything around you and using it up however you may, and then just discarding it the second that you don't need it. Okay, so I know that we're talking spoilers... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an official countdown so we can, like, actually talk about it. So that way, if you need to, you can go and watch the movie. And then you can pause us and come back. All right. So we're three, two, say, one. Spoil away, doggy. Three, two, one. All right. So the whole fucking fact that this girl is technically not the person that you think she is the entire movie changes the entire the dynamic. The mother. Okay. So the mother in the movie. We're spoiling now. The mother in the movie is the shadow person from the underworld. So there's this whole underworld under... Okay, so I think it's under the entire world, it seems. Do you think it's under the entire world? So I was trying to figure this out the whole time. I was planning on asking you. <laughs> because at first, obviously, you're led to believe, oh, it's just this family. I don't think it's... Then you're sort of led to believe, oh, maybe it's just Santa Cruz or Central California. Mm -hmm. And then... 
obviously at the end of the movie, you realize that it's at least all the way through the continental United States. Yeah. Which I think is a callback to the reference they make at the very beginning of the movie. How yeah. that there's these systems of tunnels that go all the way through the United States that yeah. are abandoned, whether they're private or public. Well, I really like, too, that the one that they faded out on was the one that said, most of which we don't even know the uses of, because that leads me to believe that most of them, can I have some, that most of them were le- were actually being used for facilities like this, and that this project was way more far-reaching than even the movie touches on. Yeah, because in, in the sci-fi... I could honestly watch an entire series about this this world and universe. Well, I already decided... Get on it, Jordan Peele! <laughs> I need to watch this movie again, mm-hmm. sober, mm-hmm. how we did, and then I just need to get violently stoned okay. and watch this movie. Maybe after it comes out on Blu-ray or whatever. Well, what do you think it'll just, come out on first, like Netflix or, or Amazon? Or oh, I don't know. Whatever it is, I just need to watch this movie and understand it better well, i need to see this movie many times yeah that's the thing is so another thing that i took away from it is that there were at least four between four and seven very distinct themes of either family or culture or statements on society or Paul poly- there were so many different takes that you could take from this movie just in this first watching and even in this first watching I was like oh I'm probably gonna have to watch this like three more times just to understand what's actually going on because mm-hmm. there were so many things that again spoiler the very first time that the girl is sitting in the counseling session listening to her parents and her mom says I just want my little girl back in my head I was like oh her and that doppelganger hella switched when they were little and this is the creepy fucking doppelganger. Mm. And she's, that's why she's being hella weird is because this isn't the girl. The girl is trapped somewhere. Except I was, I had to like mentally let go of that because I, because you're not given any context for what that other world is. Yeah. So you don't conceptualize it as a place where the other girl can be. So you're like, all right, whatever. So you discard that idea, which I think is either an accident or brilliant fucking storytelling on the part of them. Because I that think means it's very purposeful. To not give you a context before so you don't even mentally yeah. like, okay, yeah. Because I mentally didn't even give her a place until the very end where I was like, maybe it's this happening and that's why the other girl can speak. Because why would she be different than all of the other underworld people? I think this movie is supposed to come off frantic and reactionary. So you become frantic and reactionary. Because, a lot because of it's about are. Americans be- being frantic and reactionary. Holy shit, I didn't even think about that. Is he making way more of a social statement than I'm Definitely. I, I think the... Like, the philosophical crux of this movie is funny as it comes off because this movie is so absurd in so many points is when, they, when they're so terrified when these people have invaded their homes that look just like them and they say, what are you? And so, with, with no irony, with no, like, with, with no malice or anything, they just go, we're Americans. Oh my god, can we please fucking talk about that? Because to me, okay, so here's here's where our divide begins and here's where I think the real discussion begins. Because when I heard that line, 
I think that's where I lost my context and you obviously have a bigger grasp on this movie than I do because I was like, okay, I don't know what the... I just thought that meant that they were weirdly... At that point, we didn't know what they were. We didn't know that there was an underworld. We didn't know any of that, right? We didn't know that they were part of this, like, Cold War era, like, An American government funded and... Created Created. But the thing is, is, like, I didn't process that. When When she said, when he goes, what are you? And she said, we're Americans... When she said that, I was like, okay. Well, the whole was, theater laughed. Well, the whole theater laughed. And I think you were I supposed also, to in the moment. I but also I think mentally, might... like, completely disregarded it, literally up until you now bring it up as, like, a, as an indicator of where this story is technically going plot-wise. Because there's so much more of this happening in the realm of um, controlling American... Minds controlling American dollars, controlling. I, if you can't see me, I'm frantically nodding, nodding my head in agreement. Well, I just it, it's I just didn't really think about it. I thought it was one of those fluke things that I was like, okay, that's I guess that's just like weird humor or whatever, and I brushed it off completely. I didn't even take it seriously as part of the plot until you're now bringing it up again as like oh, this is, like, this is something to consider as, like, an, as, like, a clue to, like, what's to come in the future. Because that mm-hmm. was very early on. That was when you only thought, because I still, for a very long time, thought it was just going to be the four of them. So as soon as I thought, they, it, again, like you were saying, I thought it was going to be a home invasion movie. Yeah, and as soon as they, like, ran to another house, and I was like, okay, well, now they're, you know, there's other people now. Like, fuck it. Like, they're going to be fine. Once it's citywide, once it's statewide, once, once it's, it's countrywide. countrywide. <laughs> well, what? Like, <laughs> well, it really it got so cool. It really, really blew my mind. That, like, I think it's, like, an end credit shot where they zoom the fuck out, and it shows a bunch of helicopters watching this, like, line of people. And I legit thought that they used images of, like, oh, what the Great Wall of China looks like, and they just, like, superimpose people on it, because it's just this hella zoomed out picture of this, like, fucking mountain range, and you just see this, like, zigzag line of red-robed people, which are the underworld people, which, here's the thing. One thing, the only, I'm not gonna say that it's a complaint, but one thing that I will say is, um, maybe the only word for this is a vulnerability of this movie is that I don't feel like the scope of those tunnels was addressed super well. I wish they would have done more with it. I feel like that, um... Maybe, honestly, though, how much of that scope could you have given without, like, a three-hour movie? That's why I'm saying I want this to be a series. There was too much story to yeah. tell. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking maybe that the... There's a, um... There's a, um, text screen in the beginning that mm-hmm. kind of explains that there are tunnels all throughout the United States. We've already covered it, that a lot of them are abandoned. Nobody knows what they're for. Um, I feel like that might have been added after, like, test screenings. You, you know? think so? And I think certain people were like, where do these people come from? I, I think it might have done better without the explanation, because it was such kind of a bizarre, absurdist movie to begin uh, with. Uh, no, wait. I cannot imagine understanding the context of her finding that stairwell if there had not been an explanation. But they, this movie didn't take place in reality. There were so many points 
that diverted from, like, our reality that couldn't have existed. So, just, this movie exists outside of rationality. So, like, why not? Why not just make it completely surrealist? Because you still need your movie to sell and you still need people to find it appealing. So if if an initial... if the main Here's the thing. If you're getting two to four critiques from focus groups that you're doing, but there's one critique that you're hearing more than anything else, and that's like, well, I didn't understand where these people came from. You're going to give a context for those... Well, it's not even a context for the tunnels. It's kind of... Because I feel like the um, doppelganger of the mom and the latter part of the movie explains very well, even in her dialogue. Even if there hadn't been any of those first scenes that explain the text, Mm -hmm. I feel like in her dialogue of explaining the tethered people, the experiment, the puppets, all all of her explanations, I feel like are very, very giving... I would have been completely fine knowing that story through her explanations. All the thing that told me in the beginning is like, oh, if you see a tunnel and you don't know why, just know that the text at the beginning gave you context for, like, inexplicable tunnels. Does that make sense? See, I don't know. I was kind of hoping they would go more obscure with it. I I, I understand exactly what... It was on the nose. I understand exactly what you're saying, but... I was kind of hoping it was going to go more primal in the sense that in any story a human tells, in a story if you come across like a crypt or a hole or stairs or a tunnel, the hero goes down that tunnel. You know? Yeah. I think the more like the universal like capital S story that humans tell. Yeah. I was kind of hoping it went more abstract that way. And I'm not I mean, complaining. I absolutely love this movie. It might be my favorite movie that, of the year. But even, here's the thing. Even with all of the explanations we were given, the whole time, any time she went down a tunnel, I was like, if this was me, I would not be doing this shit. Why the fuck does she think this is the way to go? Because here's the thing. Here's... Okay, I don't know if this is just something I know as somebody who has, like, backpacked and traveled a lot, but there will always be more to see if you keep fucking looking. So the reason it bothered me was, like, okay, she knows to go down here. I I understand going into the House of Mirrors. I understand going past the first gate. I understand going past that first stairwell, for sure. But please remember that she goes down like three more flights of stairs that have multiple options of places to turn and she knows exactly where to go the entire fucking time and I understand this is supposed to be like part of some bigger maybe understanding that she has with this world also because she's secretly the other girl who has lived down here the whole time Mm -hmm. so of course she knows exactly where it is not that we're telling people that except we are um, I, mo- I, f- I found myself multiple times asking myself why, not because I was considering it. I, as a moviegoer, me as like Dana Scott, like Dana Sweden Scott, I was like, okay, fine. This is what she's doing. She's looking for her daughter. She knows exactly where to go. Yeah. But I was also trying, there was that other part of me that was like trying to watch it where like, I remember in a writing class once I was always told like, okay, just act like whoever you're telling this to knows nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I was like, okay, well, why is she running down here? What told her to run down here? What in any context 
told her to keep going this way. What told her to choose this direction? It's the fever dream. It, yeah, that's true. So there's that's the thing though is there's a lot of room to be given in the um, creative wiggle room of a fever dream, and I'm very okay. okay with that. But I just thought that it was like it was crafted a little more specifically when she originally ran off than it ended up being with how much she knew exactly where to go. Definitely. Does that make sense? Definitely. Okay. And okay, I know we should probably start wrapping up, but something that just crossed my mind. What the hell was this weird animal testing government facility that all these creatures were living in? Why were all these... I didn't realize that, oh, they're breeding like rabbits. There was all these test rabbits. That's why the opening credits had all of these cages full of rabbits. That's so funny. That's, that's exactly... why all the dark people had to eat the raw rabbits all the that's time. That's why I do. As soon as I saw a rabbit when she when she opened that back door, I saw a rabbit. I was like, "Oh fuck!" I immediately played in my head the doppelganger when she goes, "And while you ate, I don't remember what she says." She goes, "I ate rabbits raw and flesh." I don't remember. Can we just say that while it was fucking terrifying, the mom, the dark mom. Sounded a little bit like the alien on <laughs> Galaxy Quest. I don't think <laughs> that she... bowl cut alien on Galaxy Quest. I don't think she did. Also, I want to give her full credit because I'm pretty sure both the the regular human mom and the doppelganger mom were played by Lupita and Yango. Yeah, and I absolutely love her as an actress, and I don't want to just keep calling her the mom because she deserves full credit. And um, one thing that I also think about this movie that's also fascinating is, like, did all of these characters play both them and their doppelganger? I believe so. When the credits came up, it showed the actor's name, their character's name, and then in red... Their doppelganger. Their doppelganger. <gasps> They're red because of the red... Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, what's really funny about the red jumpsuits is I'm pretty sure she did that because the people on the shirt were wearing red. I can't think of any character in this movie that could have done any better. I mean, they they all killed it. Did you have Every a favorite character? Every single actor. The dad. The dad was your favorite character? The dad was by far my favorite character. Okay. I respect that. Um, I really, really love Lupita in general. Um, Elizabeth Moss was the other, she was like the friend's wife. She was Tim Heidecker's wife in the movie. Oh, we haven't even talked about Tim Heidecker in this movie. <gasps> you, and especially for how much we love Tim and Eric, we probably His should. shitty ass fake tattoos. Wait, were those all fake? None of those were real. They're uh, terrible. Uh, they were all these weird dragons wait, how, and NorCal stars. How bad are you going to feel if any of those are real? They're not. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> oh my god. I Tim Heidecker added so much just amazing dark comedy to this movie. Especially his dark character. Like his doppelganger was so funny. He, I loved he, his doppelganger. He managed to be scary while making me laugh. The entire but that time. Also, that really, really, like, Tim and Eric reminded me of him. Because very Because it was much. just, like, very much the, like, the ability to be, like, 
It wasn't even comedy or horror. It was just pure Uncanny Valley, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. Also, can I say this is so cute. On their on the IMDb for this, they are listed, at, like you were saying. I mean, you said because it, it was in color, but um, they are listed with their character's name and then the doppelganger's name. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that every single doppelganger had a name. Yeah. All of them do. Like, I know... Um, Oh, even Russell Thomas does. That's so funny. But I love that the boy was named Pluto. Why was the boy named Pluto? I love that. That was so cute. Yeah, I love... The the interaction between the two little boys... Like, well, the little boy and his doppelganger, I think, was very cool. Yeah. I was, loved that the, was the, the masks. The Chewbacca mask and the burn victim mask, I guess. Well, I just think the dynamic between the two of them was... Absolutely fascinating. And it took me a minute to understand what he was doing when he killed his doppelganger little brother. Again, we're spoiling. Yeah. But once I realized how linked the characters were, do you think maybe even it had to do with that they were children? And the fact that he backed him, so he walked backwards, which made, again... We're talking spoilers, which um made his brother walk into the fire and burn I, himself. Who was already the pyro brother? And... No, because I remember the other sister. She was also like a, even if she was an older sister, she was a younger character, and none of the doppelgangers were technically restricted to what the other character did physically. I think he was the he was the youngest, and also remember that Pluto was like I don't want to call him like. I mean, he was a do- I think he was called Pluto because he acted like a dog. He was. He ran on he all was, fours. Yeah, he was, he was very, very like animalistic. He was different. His understanding was very different. I think he mimicked his brother in a mu- his his twin, I guess, in a much more primal way than any of the characters were even capable of doing. Well, I mean, when you think about it, like again, they both wore masks. He was named Pluto. He ran on. He acted very much like a lapdog for his family, and his, I guess, the doppelganger's doppelganger, which would be the actual brother, wore a Chewbacca mask all the time, which yeah. is essentially a giant dog. Whoa! I didn't even think about that. But Chewbacca's this very heroic, self-aware. Yeah. Which is, kind of another, elevated creature. Which is also makes a lot of sense for why why the brother would have understood that his... Like, he... What made the boy understand that his mom wasn't who she was supposed to be? But the, here's... Because both, here's, both those characters... Be, I, I, again, I think with the dog thing, philosophically, I think the little brother on both sides of the coin, his character was about loyalty. I know, but here's here's the thing, Sam. Here's what blows my mind. He was scow- at the very end. He was scowling at his mom, right? Mm-hmm. Who he knew was the doppelganger who technically was evil and originally trapped the girl who was supposed to be in the real world. But the doppelganger was still his mom. Yeah, and who figures out creeps in the real world all the time? Dogs. If a dog doesn't like somebody, why would you like that person? Yeah, I know, but that's what I mean about the loyalty, Sam, is like, it's, that's what I, one of the most complex things that I really wanted to talk to you about is like, 
what would happen to these characters next because technically technically his loyalty should go to her because it's his mom no matter what and she who he's be, grown up with who he has grown up with and who did she is the mom who protected the family that she kept mm-hmm. like technically she did preserve the life that she has but this is kind of like that question about the chair of like replacing every piece of the chair. The philosophical question of like, like okay, you have what a chair. What makes up a soul? You like, replace every part of the chair. What part is the real part? So what make, and that's honestly, they also talk about this as like, oh, what the experiment was is that like they could make a puppet of the person, but they couldn't duplicate the soul. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea of like his mom being, his mom is technically the one that doesn't have a soul. But I think at the end, the point is that they are so intrinsically connected that the doppelganger, like the dark side and the light side, are so intrinsically connected that she talks about it so many times that when the mom actually dies, she becomes the mom and the doppelganger. Oh! I I think that she does have all that love for her family. She does love... She, but she's been that person the whole time. Of I, course she would. But I think that's what the I think that's what the movie's about is these doppelgangers want true freedom, and I think what the true freedom is is once their light or whatever counterparts are dead, they can truly assume that life, full life with all those memories, with all because they experienced it too, with all the positivity. Yeah, holy. Wow! Yeah, you're right. I mean, I might, I might be wrong, but I mean, that's I how I, know. that's how I perceived it. Yeah, it was honestly, and that's the thing is like that's first take of it. We might come back to this later because it was such. This was a brilliant movie. No matter what, I would definitely recommend it. Like this, mm, so much to say. I want to see it like eight more times before I even talk about it again. Yeah, I, I. I don't even know what to say about it. This is probably going to be my favorite movie of the year. Well, we have it for 2019, folks. Like, oh man, <laughs> I want to see it so many more times. I can't wait to see what he does next. I, know. I love how many risks he took on this movie. It was truly original. The few beats that maybe God, I didn't love hit this movie so were much. so worthwhile because of all of the originality. That completely just killed it. Yeah. Hit it out of the park. Yeah. I just honestly can't... I can't get over how perfect all of the comedic timing was. How all of the jokes were. How much they... um, As somebody who has a lot of anxiety and also, like, I love horror and I love, like, suspense and stuff. But I get very stressed out in these movies. All of the comedic timing was so perfect that it kept... I was happy throughout the entire movie. I was... I've never enjoyed a horror movie so much during the horror movie just because it was, like, kept so... There was just such a balance throughout the entire thing. And it was just it was just an incredibly well-told story. I agree. I wish I could just, like, be friends with Jordan Peele, like, in real life. Just so I could be like, hey, dude, like... Good job. I'm proud of you. Like, this is, this is just, I don't know. It it's was, a story nobody a well else could ba- tell. Yes, it's just a well-balanced story. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I totally agree. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Do you want to go eat our dinner? Let's go eat our dinner. Us. Us. Weird vibes. Hey, turkeys get cooked. 
Turkeys get cooked <laughs> worse than that doppelganger's face. <laughs> we love you. That was so fucked up. You're worthwhile. You're, Chase, sh- you're special? I guess. I mean, I was trying to be... What were you going to say? I don't know. Well, we still love you. Yeah. Good night. Good night.